I think I just locked myself out of the house. Update. I've been watching YouTube videos on how to pick a lock. Um, seems pretty simple with a hairpin. I'll just follow the video. Boom! Yes! If anything, I get to try to pick a lock. Just to confirm, just so we're just so we're ready, just to confirm. And turn. Oh, oh. <laughs> no way! No way! Oh yes! Real talk. Real talk. That was too easy. Hello, welcome to another episode of the 411. I'm Diana. I'm Michelle. I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. All right, so tonight we are going to be talking about two things. First, we will start off with a conversation about authentic feedback strategies. And then we will be sharing um, some quirky, weird pet peeves each of us has. Uh, I want to start off by asking a question. I, I always forget to do this, and Diana is always great about helping us out with this. Clarify for everyone what we mean by authentic feedback. Well, um, I would say that authentic feedback is genuine and real, and it gives the student the information that he or she needs to improve um, upon those learning goals. What do you think? Perfect. That's what I wanted to hear because it, I think that the, the great sort of misconception is that if we smack a grade onto uh, a, a task, an assignment, whatever it may be, that that's feedback. And so you know, I think that we, as educators, what you said is exactly what I was hoping you'd say, and you said it in a beautifully eloquent way. It's something that this student can use to grow and improve, and just a grade is not enough. That's not truly feedback. That's just assessment. So with feedback, let's start, let's start talking ideas. Yeah, absolutely, because, uh, you know, generally when you think about feedback, I think teachers automatically go to assessment. Um, and so whether it's a, you know, a formative or summative assessment, you know, you attach some grade and voila, you've given feedback. Um, but, you know, when we think about feedback, you know, it could be as, as simple as conferring with students. It doesn't have to be um, some grand assessment to truly give authentic feedback. It could be conversations. Um, you know, I've found that the simplest, um, forms of feedback are often the most powerful. I think we also need to think about how we're spending our um, feedback time. I think a lot of times we think about assessment, we think about feedback, we think about the feedback we give at the end of an assessment and a lot of teachers spend a great deal of time marking up papers or leaving these long comments after projects um, and it's not really benefiting the students and helping them learn unless they're 
sitting there deeply reflecting on the feedback or if there's a similar assignment later. Um, and if we can just think about not doubling our efforts, but even moving the bulk of the feedback to different points within the learning, then I think that we are making better use of our time and the feedback is more valuable to students. Yeah, and Michelle, I think that leads to one of the points that I wanted to make tonight, and that was about um, how to help our students use the feedback that they're given. And I will be the first to admit, I've made the mistake of marking up the paper, thinking that I'm doing a good job by giving the student every single little piece of feedback I can give them, but maybe I gave them too much or I gave it too late. Um, and so, you know, really, really thinking about um, the size of the feedback um, how often you're giving it. So like, is it better to give lots of short feedback or just a couple long pieces of text feedback? Um, or even the method of how you're giving the feedback. Is it going to be text? Is it going to be voice? Is it going to be video? Uh, which one of those things will help reach your students? And then how, how to help a student do something with that feedback, um, once they get it and, and you know part of that is building in time so that they can grow from it rather than it just being a, um, a summative piece of information for them. Yes, yes, okay. So what Michelle said about sort of providing feedback throughout um, the process of something, whether it's a project or you know some some sort of larger uh, task. Um, as as an English teacher, I I tried and failed at that. Um, the most effective feedback I ever was able to provide and got great reaction from students was when I was able to conference with them uh, on a larger piece of writing. And so the, the, the setup was, you know, this is a while ago, but the setup was, you know, conferencing one-on-one -on -one in the hallway while students were in the classroom doing something, right? And that was before one-to-one, -one, that was before really even having really great computer access. But those experiences were so great for me as a teacher and for students, more importantly, uh, for them to really feel like I was in, engaged and cared and had a stake in their success. And those conferences were amazing. Um, but they were way time consuming and it wasn't ideal because I wasn't in the room and those kids were doing you know, some other task and the logistics didn't work. Um, so the question that I then came to and hadn't discovered and really until, you know, some more technology came into the, uh, into the playing field was now we have tools, right? Now we have tools that can help us do that kind of feedback, which um, hopefully we can get into a little bit later. Yeah, so Marcus, you were talking about um, giving feedback in your English classroom and you know, a, a commonly um, practiced form of giving feedback is peer review. Um, and I think uh, that's a really powerful way um, to give feedback. I think too often as teachers, um, we see ourselves as the content experts and, and we 
you know, maybe put a little too much emphasis on the power of me giving that feedback. Um, language arts and writing teachers are really good at letting students do that um, in the form of peer review. Um, but I think that beyond writing, there's more opportunity um, to allow for students to give feedback to one another. Um, and I think, you know, coming from a peer, it, it automatically makes it more authentic. Yeah, so that brings me, it's like you're reading my mind. Um, that brought me to my love, 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 and obsession with uh, screencasts um, for feedback. Um, student creates something, uh, whether it's a, a writing task, a, a, an essay, research project, anything that can be on the computer screen and the teacher then can basically talk through and read through the the content that the students created um, and I, I love that as a way for the teacher just to kind of have this sort of conversation uh, or even just a conversational tone about what they're seeing and obviously with the tech tools that we've got available to us um, with tools like Screencastify, Screencast-O-Matic, things like that, um, you know, you can be annotating right on that document as you talk through it. That same approach, I think, can really work, like Chris said, peer-to-peer. I think a, I think a student can share their work with another student, and that peer can provide some really great feedback as they read through that work. Um, and it's not just writing. It's not just language arts, literature. Why not have a math um, problem and have a student review that problem and talk through the steps and then point out, hey, here's where you went wrong. Here's what we needed to do here instead of what you did. And sort of do sort of almost a play-by-play -play commentary uh, of, of a peer's um, approach to solving an equation. I feel like just even just the voice, even just having a voice uh, of a real person um, helps. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, but I have to say that I'm not sure that happens really naturally unless you're intentional um, about showing students how to give really strong, authentic feedback. Um, and as a former writing teacher, I would always find that my students didn't know how to talk about writing unless I really guided them through that process. And I think an interesting way to do that is to make yourself vulnerable and show your students that you are willing to get feedback from them and respond to feedback um, trans in a transparent way right in front of them so they can see that you're willing to grow, that you're listening to their voice, um, and that you're also willing to, to kind of grow and adjust. And I think um, that's a, a vulnerable a vulnerable place to put yourself, um, but I think it could be could really add to that dynamic of giving feedback, giving good feedback, and then responding to feedback. I totally agree. I was gonna I was gonna chime in and say that the you know the old peer review that was on the sheet of paper ended up just being a checkoff list. You know, the kids would just complete the things as efficiently as they could with as little effort as possible just to be done and turn it in. So I love what Diana's saying about modeling and providing structure. Uh, I think naturally with a tool like that, with a, with a screencast approach, um, 
it's going to, if modeled properly, um, give students a chance to hear and see what it's going to sound and look like, but then also um, you give them a little bit of structure and maybe have some things that they need to talk about. I think when the mic's on, they're going to have more of a conversational tone as opposed to just ticking off the boxes. And that's not something that is reserved just for secondary students or writing students. I was a second grade teacher and I think uh, one of the most powerful things I did was moving just some of our reflective work, our independent work, into an online space. And I'd have many lessons where I talked to kids about what constructive feedback looks like. And then it's simple as, you know, um, weekly highlighting a comment or some feedback that a student gave that really was good um, and beneficial and constructive. Um, so those kind of things can happen even with our youngest learners, which I think um, is important that we build those foundations um, at a young age. Additionally, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about other ways that we can make giving feedback manageable. I think that is the biggest struggle that I have. Um, everybody believe, everybody knows that feedback is important. Timely feedback is important. Um, detailed feedback is important. I, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a teacher that thinks slapping a grade at the top of a paper is as powerful as leaving some very detailed comments and feedback that can be used to improve and further learning. However, the reality is that one-on-one -on -one feedback, detailed feedback, is difficult, um, just the sheer volume to give, but then additionally, it's hard sometimes to manage that and get it back in a timely manner, and sometimes the best feedback is not as powerful if we can't get it back to the students quickly. So what strategies do you guys have for teachers who are wanting to maybe move away from more traditional assessment and into more authentic assessment, which requires more authentic feedback? Um, how do you do that and balance it while giving high quality feedback in an efficient manner? So, again, you guys are so smart. <laughs> uh, I learned so much just talking shop with you guys. Uh, so, Michelle talking about, you know, how do you manage the time? Everything you said, I was like, yep, yep, yep. Uh, one thing that I never did a good job of, again, guilty as charged. Uh, we talk about the rubrics and so forth, but... I always like the idea of grading aspects of, of a particular task. And again, I'm going to reference writing because that's sort of what I know. But instead of trying to assess holistically everything, maybe I'm just assessing just a portion of this work and I'm only looking at a particular uh, element, content conventions, etc. So I'm picking and pinpointing certain things and, this, and the students are knowing that ahead of time. I'm going to be looking for blank. That can make things more concise. Um, what about, what if, what if you do like uh, one minute assessments um, or one minute feedback and you limit it and you put a timer right there and, and it's sort of like a very quick uh, sort of, um, I'm going to give you as much as I can give you in this amount of time, but it's going to be manageable for everybody. Two things that I suggest to our online teachers. Um, one is that anytime you can use voice comments, there's some, there's an add-on in Google Docs. I feel like I can spell it, but I don't know if I can pronounce it. Let me, is this how you spell it? Is this how you do it? 
I don't know. Anyway, that's an add-on in Google Docs. Maybe. <laughs> um, but anytime you can use audio feedback or video feedback, you can say a lot more in audio than you can type um, in the same amount of time. And then also, I often will suggest that when you're grading something, if you notice that a theme among all of your students, instead of repeating yourself 30 times, if you see something that the majority of students could benefit from, leaving that feedback as an announcement in your online course, um, sending that out, create, providing some additional resources as a whole group, um, and thinking about feedback as a whole and individually can help with uh, management. I dig that, Michelle. I dig that a lot. The sort of condensing what you're seeing with your students and making like a, you know, sort of a top five list, top five targeted things we need to work on as a group um, or top five strengths. Um, you could definitely, as a teacher, uh, let your personality come through and, and have some fun with that kind of thing, both to engage students, but also be focusing on ways to ways to get better. I'll echo that, Michelle, and I'll also throw in a few other tools that can help you be um, more efficient. I love the idea of using Google Keep integrated into Google Docs for quick um, feedback, saving some of those comments that you find yourself giving quite often. I really am a huge fan, longtime fan of Turnitin.com. Um, obviously, that's not a free tool, but that has been great for giving feedback, all kinds of feedback, not just writing feedback. Um, students can upload anything from a long essay to um, a Google Sites presentation, and I love the voice comment feature um, on the iPad for Turnitin.com. Um, I love all there's all kinds of cool add-ons. Um, checkmark for Google Docs is a good one to check out for quick grading, um, and then just utilizing the tools within your learning management system. So if you're a Google Classroom user, having all of those documents right there um, to pop in check for something, pop back out, um, and just being efficient. Maybe it's Doctopus. I don't really think the tool matters, but really getting a system for yourself um, that makes you be efficient. Those are all incredible suggestions um, and, and different things that teachers can use to make assessment more efficient. Um, Michelle, as you asked, like, how do we make assessment more manageable? For me, I, I think it's quite simple, and the idea is to focus on quality and not quantity. Um, you know, I think traditionally um, teachers you know, do the, the 50 question assessment at, at the end of the unit. Um, I think you could you could assess student understanding um, and, and give appropriate feedback with a five question assessment. Um, so, you know, teachers, I think we, we should try to break from the traditions of old um, in, in that, like these really long assessments and, and reduce them to what's really important. Um, and I think that that will free you up to um, provide assessment and feedback more frequently. Um, just maybe in a, a less formal manner, which um, is, again, more authentic for students. All right, Chris, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up our talk for today on um, authentic feedback. And moving on to part two, I would love to hear um, like a weird pet peeve that, that you have that is unique, just something that gets under your skin, drives you nuts. Um, and I'm going to call Michelle to share with us your weird pet peeve. Easy. I cannot handle 
when people use the word literally, but they're not actually meaning it literally. Like, I am, it literally kills me. <laughs> I'm literally dying. We should do a whole other segment on words that irritate us. Because I have a list. The second part, uh, second segment of this show is going to turn into things that bother us. Yes, I like the path that we're headed down right now, folks. I'm going to chime in here. <laughs> and uh, you guys are all going to remember this and recall because I've complained about it uh, many, many times. It's a, it's a driving thing, okay? Um, when I am driving and I'm at an intersection, I should have had a dry erase board. I could have had like a whole thing with diagrams. I'm at an intersection. Someone is in the cross street, but they're going to turn left, right? They're turning left onto the road I'm on. Here's what they need to do. They need to come here. Here's my diagram. They're gonna, they need to come here and then turn a hard left. But here's what people do is my head is my car. They, they want to do one of these. They want to angle it and just hog up all of the road, lanes that don't belong to them. And they just want to land that car as they turn left. They're, they're treating it like it's a 747 jet. Oh, and I have to stop short of the intersection because I'm looking and I see that they're not taking a proper angle and I have to stop and stay out of their way so they don't, they don't hit me. Pet peeve, pet peeve. Ooh, I have a driving pet peeve too. People merging, when two lanes are merging into one, it is a zipper. This side goes, then this side goes. And this, it's a zipper. And the worst, McDonald's fast food drive-through lines, now they have two lanes. And when you get stuck in the inside lane and you ordered your egg white delight, sub sausage, and then the outside line goes, and then the other person stays right up on their bumper and you're just stuck. It, it brings hatred in my heart. <laughs> Chris, it literally pains me when that happens to me. All I got out of that was that Chris knows Marcus's McDonald's order by heart. Chris, do you have another pet peeve or was that your pet peeve or was that just inspired by Marcus's road rage? Diana, I have too much hatred in my heart to bring up another pet peeve right now. So that was my pet peeve. All right, I will share one of mine. So my pet peeve is also drive-through related. And I'm gonna talk about those cardboard or styrofoam or whatever the heck they are made out of, um, the drink carriers. So you order three drinks at Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever, and then they, they try to give you a drink carrier and the intention is that that will make your life easier because you have three drinks and you need something to help you carry them. Um, but I don't like when I get a drink carrier. And if someone asks me if I want a drink character, I'm definitely going to decline because you get your drink carrier. There's three or four drinks in it. 
and then where do you put it? Like you can't put it on your passenger seat because it the passenger seat isn't level and then the drinks spill. Um, and then, you know, I try to do the thing where I like lean down, holding the drink carrier awkwardly. It's not balanced because, you know, there's three drinks in it sometimes, not four. It's not balanced. So I try to like lean down and put it on the floor and then the whole thing like tips over and then it just makes a mess and it makes me insane. So I don't want a drink carrier. I don't want to see a drink carrier. Those things are a waste. <laughs> Diana, there, uh, whoa. Wowie zowie. The drink carrier, such a such a mundane item that exists in the world. And and Diana is like leading the charge to have them all obliterated. I get it though. As you were talking through that, I'm like, yep, yep, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You go, girl. Jeez, guys. That was a lot of pent-up emotion that we just released in segment two of this episode. I feel like the only appropriate way for us to end this episode is by yelling at a bunch of kids to get off our lawn. If any of the pet peeves that we shared resonate with you, or there is something that just drives you absolutely bonkers, we want to hear about it. So leave us a comment, give us a retweet, um, share it on Facebook and Twitter. And that's it. That's the 411.